I'm Bianca Vivion, and this is Ask Viv. Welcome to episode 11. So, so much has changed since episode 10. When I recorded episode 10, it was freezing outside, and now it's warm, and it's raining, and it's summertime again. And most importantly of all, I've graduated college. To be perfectly honest with you, I recorded this episode three times, and I recorded this episode the day before I graduated college. And when I say I recorded it, I didn't do that thing I usually do where I record the episode three times and judge myself. I recorded it, I edited it, and I listened to it three days after I recorded it, and I just didn't believe any of the things I had said anymore. It was because I was terrified before I graduated college, and it wasn't the normal angst that comes with the average person trying to enter into, I guess, quote unquote, the real world or adult life, because those are things that I've known about since I was a teenager. But it was the fear that college meant so terribly little to me, and it was that anxiety that comes with any pivotal moment of your life, whether it be graduation or birth or life or death, of just trying to be equipped to start or end something, trying to take all of the memories that you have and all of the lessons that you think that you've learned and try to manufacture a meaning out of something just so that you feel ready to face whatever that pivotal moment is. I had such a hard time with that and I'll never forget the first week of my time at Columbia and the day that my mother dropped me off there and she told me you're going to have such a good life now and I remember at my convocation which is the event in which you enter college our dean told us Columbia is the place where you're going to learn what it means to live well and all I learned is that most people that live well especially in America especially in the upper echelons of society live well at other people's expense. They keep us in filth and they keep us in terrible situations and they keep us in constant pain and sorrow. Absolutely all black people, but particularly poor black people, just so that they can luxuriate and relax, eat and sleep comfortably without ever thinking about the ways in which their wellness is dependent on the sorrow of others. That's what I learned at Columbia. And when I tell people, and I got so many questions over the past weeks, well, how was it? and how was college and what was that like? And I would say it was a great education in a hard ass time. I loved my professors and I loved my education. I I probably actually liked the class part better than anything else, but the students were wretched and the people were terrible and unkind and cold and isolating and depressing. And New York City kicked my ass, it really did. And I know that when people used to say, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, that was about surviving the crime and just the harshness, but it's not that anymore. Now it's about surviving the overpriced, ridiculously isolating, overrated performativity that it forces you to participate in. And I think that I've been so happy because even though I could not manufacture this grand and meaningful different world out of college, I did realize that I did graduate from other things besides college and those things I could be proud of. I graduated from the performativity and constantly sacrificing my own comfort and social situations to make other people feel important and counted and I think I graduated from the fake shit (laughs) 
and I think about how during my first few years of college I worked on Wall Street and I will never ever ever in my entire life ever again work in a corporate job ever and I will never dress up in a pencil skirt and a blazer for work ever again and I graduated from that chip on my shoulder that I swear I held every single day of my life at that school and maybe even before that always feeling like I had something to prove to people I had no respect for graduated from feeling ashamed or like a fraud for having aggression towards people who disrespected me outright for years because I was in an institution which was nothing but disrespect for my peers at any given moment disrespect for where I came from or who my parents were or how much money I didn't have or the way that I looked. and I was over being told that I was angry all the time there was so many things that I graduated from that have nothing to do with books and nothing to do with the type of education that seems worthy of praise I graduated from feeling like a child into being a woman and that's something that I will never ever ever forget from these last few years of my life and so I guess this week when I think about what I'm thinking about I would like you to think about the ways in which you're graduating and the things that you're trying to start or the things that you're trying to end and to take yourself seriously and really really deeply reflect on how far that you've come because I think that sometimes we try to manufacture meaning out of the wrong things and that job that sucked we want to tell ourselves that it taught us great lessons despite the fact that we felt that we wasted our time and it just sucked and I've had to bury friends and say goodbye to people whose lives were cut short much too soon and you try to make meaning out of that but it just hurts and so you have to find meaning in things that are not so obvious in the ways that you've sustained yourself and the ways in which you haven't compromised and you have to understand that yes there will be regrets that is completely inevitable but there's also choices choices to not feel small in the face of fear and so all in all if I had to manufacture any meaning of the time that I've spent over the last four years then it would probably be this the truth is always more important than a lie yes the people that live well live well at the expense of others but at the same time mostly everyone both the powerful and the powerless are running scared and the people who are set apart are always the people who are willing to tell the truth because being a liar is very very easy to do and most people are liars and the first people that they lie to are themselves and so it's not just a responsibility of artists and thinkers and listeners to tell the truth it's also a feat and if you are telling the truth after a lie has been told then you also are graduating from something and I wish that for every single person in my life and every single person that's listening to this that you graduate from a lie to the truth and no matter where you are in your life the things that you're starting or the things that you're ending whether it's from an Ivy League University or you're just done with a bullshit job that you hate congratulations honestly 100% congratulations to us. So now I'm going to get right into these questions because I know that's your favorite part. Dear Viv, how can a person take care of their creative health? How do you overcome a lack of inspiration? I used to write all the time, but as of late, I've been feeling lost. Like there's a mental block and a block on my creative processes. What do you advise I do to get my creative juices flowing again? 
You know, I can completely relate to this, but I think that I'm getting to the stage of being an artist where I'm not necessarily believing anymore in things like writer's block or creative block. I feel like there are root causes of certain times when our creativity ebbs and flows. I went a year without painting or writing one essay. I hardly wrote it all for an entire year. And during that year, I was in the most comfortable and complacent relationship I had ever been in. And I truly had understood that what was making me creatively stifled was the fact that I was so deeply comfortable and so safe and luxuriating in comfort that I didn't have to create anything because I was in a safe place because all good artistry comes through self-confrontation we utilize whatever the medium is whether it be music or paint or words in order to self-confront and so as masochistic as it is if you are an artist at least a good one then you are always seeking pain you're not seeking pain because you like the way it feels it's by seeking it that you become free from it and that's what art allows us to do it frees us from pain and so if you're having a lack of quote-unquote inspiration it's probably because you're not doing that work of self-confrontation but I would also say that I completely understand when you don't know where to start and if you don't know where to start then it's it's very simple look at the works of other people whenever I can't write then I know I should be reading and lately I've been reading James Baldwin's no name in the street a book of essays about what happened when he came home and was famous and it's honestly been such a source of creative inspiration for me lately of trying to understand what it means to enter into a new stage of my life I would say seek out other artists like good friends whenever you're lacking creative inspiration if I can't paint I always opened up a photography book I usually paint people and so I'm always opening up photography books of real life people so that I can find what it is that I'm looking for when I'm thinking about the faces that I want to pursue through canvas and so you have to be actively looking for ways of self-confronting through art and part of that honestly requires a sort of creative discipline that I think that people tend to underestimate in artists because being an artist is a lot like being an athlete the difference between the person who is just your average Joe Blow exercising every day and a person that's an athlete is going to be heart and persistence dedication regimen and it's no different for artists the things that sets us apart from someone who casually sketches in a notebook or someone who writes in their diary or a blog every day is that willingness to seek that sort of confrontation and is the discipline to do it by any means necessary so it is constantly buying supplies even if you don't know what you're going to do with it it's constantly seeking out new text and new ways of saying things and it's being okay with not knowing because you're so dedicated to the process of finding out and I think that a lot of what stifles creativity and this is really gonna hurt some feelings, is laziness. I realized at a point that it was complacency of just actually feeling lazy and idle, two feelings which I had completely underestimated the strength of pretty much my entire life until I realized that idleness and the ability to just sit on the internet all day and to have your time sucked out by all of these mechanisms that weren't my art was something that I was really going to have to confront in order to do what I needed to do. And so I think that it is starting, starting that process of self-confrontation, starting the research of other art, of other people, 
people who are saying the same thing. It's how you confront any sort of creative problem. Dear Viv, how do I overcome shyness? I want to be a person who is approachable and affable, but I am always terrified of speaking, especially in a public setting. I feel so behind the times because of my shyness and want to break out of this so badly. As annoying as this sounds, I would say you have to watch the things that you tell yourself about yourself. You may be shy because you have a terrible social anxiety, but you may also be worsening that by telling yourself that you're a shy person. You can change something drastically pretty instantly by just telling yourself that it's not true. A lot of the fears that we have about ourselves are based on a perception and a narrative that we've constructed to keep ourselves from confronting other issues. And so you have to get down to the root of your shyness. And so if that is that you have issues with your self-image, it's that you're afraid of being labeled. If you're afraid that your thoughts or contributions to a conversation are inadequate. Those are all root causes of shyness based on a narrative that you've constructed about yourself and you're going to have to let the narrative go if you're really wanting to break out of this thing that's confining you. Also going along with this is thinking about when you're the most shy and when you're the most not shy because my sister, my older sister, was somebody who was always labeled as a shy person which I absolutely could not figure for the life of me why because when I was at home she was so rambunctious so loud almost overbearing compared to me and when she was in public everyone was like she's very quiet she's very shy and that was crazy to me which means that there was something about my relationship with her that allowed her to be an outgoing over-the-top person and there was something about where she was what was happening to her in public that was triggering something that made her want to be quiet and as she got older that thing went away because she's not ever considered now a shy person she's very outspoken eloquent graceful and I don't think anyone would really describe her as shy at all you have to get to the root cause of that thing if you were bullied in school or if you were told to fear when you spoke or if you were told that your ideas didn't matter those are all things that would contribute to your shyness but at the same time and this goes on to the next step of conquering this you have to decide when those things end I always tell people that you have to take a certain amount of accountability when you become an adult for your own fate in your own life and so sure there may be all of these things that stifled you in the past and they're perfectly justifiable why you would feel pain towards them but you also have to make a decision to overcome them because we can make certain accommodations for people who are shy at the age of 12 and 13 but at the point that you're 25 26 and still can't speak up in public or make yourself heard in a conversation when you have real thoughts and feelings that becomes something that's going to stifle you and keep you from living your life to the fullest extent for the rest of your entire life and so don't sell yourself short and don't eliminate viable opportunities for your life because of this thing that is difficult to confront really face those narratives that you've told about yourself and get to the root cause of it accept the fact that shyness is not a personality trait it's something that is triggered by social situations i get very quote-unquote shy around chic rich judgmental people of the fashion industry every time 
time I go to a fashion gallery party or whatever, I get so reserved and become not my best self because I'm surrounded by all of these people who I perceive to be judging me. And whether the perception or not is true, I basically take my entire self out of these social situations because of how I perceive a situation to be. That's all based off of a fear. And a lot of the times it's a false fear and it's a protection mechanism that you've built because you've been rejected or because you've been insulted and do it enough times, you'll take yourself out of any situation automatically. And so you have to understand what those triggers are and what those things that make you feel small and avoid those places that make you feel small. And if you can't avoid them, then you must confront them. You 100% must confront them and say, nobody is going to make me feel counted out. Nobody's going to make me feel small. The thing about me is sure I'm an outgoing person, but I also make a decision often whenever I feel diminished that I absolutely will refuse to be diminished or refuse to be disrespected or refuse to be counted out. And that decision is what makes me an outgoing person, not just this inherent innate ability to speak up. It's something that sure may come more naturally to me than it comes to other people, but it is also a choice that I make every single time I step out into the world because it is based on a vision of myself that I have for myself. And maybe I'm not that person yet, but it's a person I want to be. And so you have to visualize yourself as someone who's no longer shy. Visualize yourself as someone who will be outgoing and will be able to not just participate, but lead a conversation. And you will eventually become that person but it also comes from literally refusing to let other people make you feel a type of way about yourself which is the hardest part of that I swear it is you'll get there dear Viv what's your opinion on dating black men I'm so exhausted with them and I need to try something else but don't know how ah I always wondered if I'd ever get a question about interracial dating and I knew it would come sooner than later um I can completely understand being exhausted with black men in particular because black men are the one race of men that ad infinitum insult their women to no end. Compared to other races, I've never seen another race make such derogatory and diminishing terms for their women compared to black American men. Let me be specific because I do not see that happen even with um, Caribbean or West African men. It's particularly black American men who demean and diminish women. And I can both acknowledge that that is a product of white supremacy and that is a product of what white people have told black men about black women and what white people have told black women about themselves. And so it is a historical feature as much as it is a social cultural one. But I could also understand you being very exhausted with it and just not wanting to take on that weight in your interpersonal affairs and so wanting to date outside of your race or wanting to no longer date black American men because I've been there. But the one thing I will say in their defense is do not convince yourself that misogyny is something that is particular to black men or convince yourself that another race has some sort of other better view towards women because they don't. The reality of it is, is that misogyny is pervasive in all facets of our society across the global world because that's how patriarchy is. And the worst thing you can do is try to date outside your race, convincing yourself that other races of people just somehow understand how to treat women better because that's just a fiction. Similarly, I would say that you have to understand that your issue with black men is not unique 
two black people. I had been talking to one of my close friends who's Colombian just a few weeks ago, and she told me she can't date Colombian guys. She can't even really date Latinos at all because the root of her oppression she associates with Latin men because she was raised in a family with a lot of Latin men who told her who to be and how to dress and when to talk and when to shut up. And from a young age, those were the people who sexualized her earliest. Those were the people who made her feel small the earliest. And so she cannot be romantically attracted or reconcile with that pain emotionally when dating. So that's completely understandable. It's not unique to black women. It's very difficult when the root of your oppression and you understand that oppression as a woman is through men, it becomes very difficult to date your own race. The first people who ever catcalled me or who sexualized me at the age of 12 were black men. And the first people that ever called me a bitch were black men or who told me I was ugly or that my thighs were too big or this was too small or this didn't count or shut up or, you know made me feel wrong or made me feel ugly or made me feel stupid. They were all black men, a lot of the times in my own household. And so I understand wanting to date outside of your race, but you have to understand that if you misplace that pain, if you don't understand the root cause of it and why it happens and you just attribute it to something about black maleness, then you will set yourself up for failure when going out to pursue other avenues because you should be love seeking, period. Seek love in where, whatever form that it comes. And I know as cliche as that sounds, you know when you're being loved, you know when you're being counted in, you know when you're being welcomed, you know when you're being thought about deeply, you know when you're being considered. You understand who's loyal to you because instinctively you can feel it. And if it's not happening for you, it is not because of blackness, it's not because of maleness, it's because the people that you're surrounding yourself with do not have your best interest in mind. As a black woman, I faced a lot of rejection from black men, but I faced a lot of rejection from Arab men, Jewish men, and so I've understood that I have to maneuver this world and be love-seeking in ways that other women may not have to be. I have to be much more discerning, I have to be much more judgmental and I have to hold the bar very high. I don't let men of any color talk to me any kind of way, especially black men. I will literally tear down a black man's ego so fast just because I don't play that shit. So you have to put yourself in that position. You have to be love seeking and you have to be intolerant towards disrespect in order to just feel okay with even being around any kind of man. You have to position yourself and that's a burden a lot of the time, but it's also your responsibility to yourself, you understand? be absolutely relentlessly intolerant of anything except love period from anybody black men included and if you're a black woman black men especially dear viv i feel this need to learn a language yet i'm having a hard time deciding as there are so many to choose from do you know any languages and are you fluent what is a language that is worthy of learning and actively pursuing so learning other languages has been the best thing that's ever happened to me in life. I started learning Spanish in the third grade and I studied it my entire life. I would say that I'm semi-fluent, but I'm not fluent yet because when you're fluent in a language, you can fully express your personality. And so until you can be as quirky and funny or 
sarcastic as you are in your native language in another language you're not yet fluent but i am highly conversational and i can definitely get by in spanish-speaking countries and it's been the joy of my life to visit different spanish-speaking countries and be able to interact with people because the thing that people don't tell you about learning a language is that it's not just about translating words from one language to another it's really about learning how people live their lives and learning how language affects the way in which people live their lives because there are certain ways that people express romance in say french that they can't in english like english is actually a terrible language for expressing romantic feelings because we only have one word for love and we have these very straightforward lack of nuanced notions of romantic love and so i would encourage you to learn other languages because you have access to certain feelings one of my favorite um songs is name Kitupa" by nina simone and it's you know it's don't leave me don't leave me that's what it means but it's interesting because Kit q-u-i-t-t-e it looks like don't quit me and i remember thinking so much more differently when i first listened to that song about what it meant to leave somebody when she says don't quit me don't quit me because quitting somebody and leaving somebody are two very different feelings and so i would say that's something that sort of freedom of translation and those other avenues which opened up for understanding i could only do through learning other languages so i'm semi-fluent in spanish and i'm conversational in french and i can read a little bit of italian and i only know that because when i went to italy i got by through reading but i can't speak a lick of it and i really really want to learn portuguese because i really really want to go to brazil and have some business there and so if you're thinking about learning a language you could never ever 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 go wrong with it it opens you up to the humanity of other people in a way that nothing else could because there's nothing like understanding and being understood i 100 encourage it i could not imagine my life in only english i could not and i will not it's actually a scary thought and last question dear viv with all the pain in this world and the pain we feel from love and being in love and falling out of it how do we move on from love and learn to let go of something that didn't work and something you thought would last. The easiest way to get over anything, including love, is to tell the truth about it to yourself. A lot of the times, the fixation that we have on things that we thought would last forever come from lies that we tell ourselves about things. I remember I was with a guy for uh, about a year, eh, less than that, maybe like a little bit over a summer. See, even that, like I tell, I tell lies about the length of time that it was to try to make it seem more important than it was, but it was about a little bit over a summer. And I just remember feeling so devastated when it was over. I mean devastated, rejected, lost, crazy, overwhelmed. And in retrospect, so much of that pain was caused by me making this person into something and somebody who he was not. The thing is, is that we often take people that we love and that in order to get over heartbreak, what we do in order to lick our wounds is to make them the most important, biggest, most grand person in the world who took away our entire lives when they left. And we can't imagine us surviving without them. And the reality is, is that most pain is just ordinary. And we have to aggrandize our pain in order to make it feel like the suffering is worth something. When in reality, if we tell the truth about it, a lot of times the relationships that we build 
we build off of attraction and after that it's just unhealthy i think i was so devastated because this guy was so damn good looking but in reality if i really told the truth the sex wasn't that good he wasn't that smart he stole a lot of my ideas when it came to being creative i didn't really respect the relationships that he had with others i didn't like his friends his mother was a mean woman he was broke he had a temper <laughs> And we were not even very compatible. He just made me feel really, really interesting when we would talk. And it was my way of feeding my ego to talk to him. He made me feel good by being interested in the things that I said, but had nothing to contribute to the conversations. We had very, very little in common besides the neighborhood that we shared. And I liked the parties that he took me to and the way that he made me feel welcomed in his hood until he didn't. And that was the real truth about that relationship. And when I told myself the truth about him, especially because I hadn't seen him in such a long time, when I did see him again, I literally said to myself, wow, this was just an average nigga, honestly. And it made me feel a little stupid, but at the same time, feeling a little stupid was a lot better than feeling worthless, rejected, lonely, at the bottom of an abyss of heartbreak. The thing about it is, is that a lot of times pain is more ordinary than we make it. And if you don't diminish your pain, but confront it for what it is, which is a fact of life, then you do a lot better to just move on as if you just fell off of a bike and you just you know keep writing because you have to and at the same time i think that we have to tell ourselves other stories about love love does not belong to us the thing is is that if you're loved for whether it be a day or whether it be years and years and years you that is an honor and a privilege and you're not required to love anybody forever and nobody is required to love you forever there's times when i interact with people on the street and they show me some love or if i'm in a grocery store and they let me skip the line or or, or I'm short 50 cents or a dollar and the guy at the bodega just lets me go because he knows I'm good for it. They show me that love once and they never owe it to me again. And I can take it as love and enjoy it and recognize it as such and be grateful and be happy and move on with my life understanding that love is something that is perfect and beautiful when it happens but it is not a guarantee and I can tell you that as somebody who's not just lost love through heartbreak or through rejection but that's lost love through people who have passed away or that I'll never see again or who have hurt me so badly I could never ever call them up but I still reminisce on the memories that we have and I take them with me and I decide for myself that the love is enough. That is what it means to love somebody unconditionally. Anything else, if love is conditioned by the fact that it must continue forever, then so much love is bad love. So much love is not worth having because most love will end, period. You, a lot of people in your life will be forgotten when you're 40 and 50 years old. And so the love that they gave you is going to just have to be enough. It's going to have to be enough. It is confusing and it is difficult, but you have to make peace with the fact that things end and you better do it now because things are going to end for the rest of your life. And it's going to be more and more difficult if you have an inability to let something that is over go. Because the worst thing that we can do is to extend something that's already been lost, that's already gone, that's already unable to be recovered, and we make it a part of ourselves, and we drag it along and drag it along, and then we breed resentment for it. And so something that could have just been great for three months or three years, instead, 
we make it great for three years and then the bitterness lasts for the next nine. Now what kind of life is that? I'm going to end this episode the way I began it with saying that we're always graduating from something. And so maybe you're graduating from a love and if you really do take the time to graduate, and congratulate yourself for loving and having been loved, then you can move on to something much better, to a next step in your life. And you don't have to do the work of manufacturing meaning out of sorrow to make it mean something, because to just be tender and to hold somebody for a little bit, no matter what happened or what the story is that you tell yourself behind it, is good and is great and is enough. It's enough. It has to just be enough. So that's all the time that we have for today. It's been great as ever. I'm so excited for an entire summer of Ask Viv. So tune in next week for episode 12. Keep the questions coming from wherever you are in the world because I can see where a lot of these questions come from. And today we had one question from Vietnam and one question from Denmark. And so wherever you are in the world, thank you so, so much for listening. If you've made it this far in the episode, I wish you nothing but happiness and warmth. Ramadan Mubarak. More life, more love, more love. I'm Bianca Vivion, and this is Ask Viv. Why God, why God do I gotta suffer? Pain in my heart, carry burdens full of struggle. Why God, why God do I gotta bleed? Every stone thrown at you resting at my feet. Why God, why God do I gotta suffer? Earth is no more, won't you burn this motherfucker? Keep talking back, I beat your ass, who bought you that? You stole it, I beat your ass if you say that game is broken I beat your ass if you jump on my couch I beat your ass if you walk in this house with tears in your eyes Running from poo-poo and prentice Go back outside, I beat your ass, little nigga That homework better be finished, I beat your ass Your teachers better not be bitching about you in class That piece of bed not be wasted, you eat it all The TV better not be loud if you got it on Them Jordans better not get dirty when I just bought them Better not hear about you humping on Keisha's daughter Better not hear you got caught up I beat your ass, you better not run to your father I beat your ass, you know my patience running thin I got boo-boo payments to make County buildings on my ass, trying to take my food stamps away I beat your ass if you tell them social workers he live here I beat your ass if I beat your ass twice and you still here Seven years old, think you run this house by yourself? Nigga, you gon' fear me if you don't fear no one else If I can smoke fear away, I roll that motherfucker up Pull them panties to the side now